Welcome to Hope for the Heart. This is William Rogers bringing you a message today from the book of Revelation as we're continuing our verse-by-verse study of this wonderful book. I'm in Revelation chapter 12, and today the subject is the great red dragon exposed. And so we're going to, I think, see some things here that are very interesting as far as understanding the tribulation period, or at least what is going on as far as Satan's activities. So let me begin by giving you the text, and uh, we'll just kind of jump right into it. Revelation chapter 12, verses 1 through 6. Last week we looked at verses 1 and 2, and we're going to cover a little bit more of that today. Hopefully we can finish through verse 6. I doubt it, but we'll try. Revelation chapter 12, verses 1 through 6. And a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and her head a crown of twelve stars. And she was with child, and she cried out, being in labor and in pain, to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads were seven diadems. And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven, and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. And she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God, so that there she might be nourished for 1,260 days. This passage again introduces us to the to Satan's long war against God. And I've had people ask me why this section appears here. What is verse or chapter 12 really all about? And what is chapter 13 and 14 all about? Well, I believe it's a, it's a bit of a digression from the chronology of the book of Revelation, but yet however, I think it's very important to see these. You see, we've been looking at this long war against God And it's been going on since Satan's uh, fall and will finally culminate in the end of time when Jesus Christ once and for all uh, and forever defeats Satan and all his demons and casts him into the pit. And so this helps us understand who Satan is as far as the tribulation period. This tribulation period is is known as the Great Tribulation. It's the latter half of the period known as uh, Daniel's 70th week at the time of Jacob's trouble. Satan will gathered together the, some of his greatest efforts against God, against Christ, and against believers, he will make him his most powerful effort ever to defeat God, to change or to ruin his plan. There will be a war all over the universe like none before. And so it becomes very obvious to us that this section is important because, number one, God gave it to John to record uh, what he has seen and what he is seeing, and to give it and write it to the seven churches. And so we have that as it has been written for us. So it becomes, again, a very important section. Now, it's been interesting to me this week to look back at a lot of the references or scriptures covered, these scriptures covered by other writers. Some well-known, I'm not going to go through their names, but two, two of which I had as professors at Dallas Seminary, when I was in Dallas uh, Theological Seminary. And one is uh, Dwight Pentecost. He wrote a book on things to come. Well, he didn't even cover chapter 12. He hits bits and pieces of uh, some of these verses, but he doesn't really cover it in any way like I think it would be helpful to be covered. 
And other writers have done the same thing. They just pretty much skipped chapter 12. They covered 13 because it's so much of a major focus of the tribulation period, chapter 13 and 14. But 12 does not seem to be. And so it is, it's uh, one that I do not want to skip. I want to cover 12, 13, and 14. And it takes us back, all the way back to creation, if you will, all the way back into eternity at the fall of Lucifer. And then it brings us all the way forward into the time of the Great Tribulation so that we view tribulation not only from God's perspective, as we have in chapter 6 through 11, but now we're going to be able to take a look at Satan's activities and understand just a little bit more of what's actually behind the scenes. In other words, we're going to expose this great red dragon. We're going to expose what he is up to and why he's been up to it. You see, he hates God. It really has been a long war against God. And we already learned about God's perspective and God's side and God's judgment in the seven seals and the seven trumpets. And so now we're taken back, beginning in chapter 12, 13, and 14, to way beyond that so that we can begin to see there is a much bigger picture to look at of the tribulation period than what is actually in this section or what we know about tribulation period. There's this whole list of activities and Satan's activities that we need to understand. We already know about the role of God. We already know the enterprise of God. We already know the activity of God in the judgments and the work of salvation, and it describes the, the work of, uh, of these judgments. So it's time for that we can uh, look back at chapter 12. I know when I first started reading this, I began to say, well, why is 12 here? It's just it's such an amazing thing. And so as we go on, we begin to see the coming together of, of the most ima- unimaginable uh, events in tribulation period. And we can begin to understand how and why they're happening. For example, man, God's going to be pouring out his judgment, and then we have other things happening by Satan himself at the very same time. So by the time we come back through chapter 12, 13, and 14, and hit chapter 15, we pick up the seventh trumpet, we will have a full picture of what has gone on in the time of the tribulation leading up to the blowing of the seventh trumpet. So, with that in mind, we began to look last week at this uh, this section, looking at the arch enemy of God, obviously Satan. He's been trying ever since the rebellion to destroy the purposes of God. You see, in the bigger picture here, Satan hates God. Pure and simple. Satan hates God. When he was Lucifer, created in heaven, uh, the most beautiful cherub, and the, the worship and the praise that he handled in heaven, and since his fall... He has done everything possible to come against God. So, this section, chapter 12, as we said last week, can best be understood by looking at some of the main characters listed here. Look at verse 1, for example. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. Now, the, the character there is the woman. Verse 2, and she was with child. The, the character in verse 2 is the child. And then in verse 3, uh, another sign appeared in heaven. And behold, look, listen to this. A great red dragon having seven heads, ten horns, and on his heads were seven crowns. Well, who is that? 
you, you see, people get so confused in understanding who these characters are. And so the very first one is the woman, and we wanted to describe that one for you because if you get that one right, then you're pretty much set to understanding all of the rest. And yet so many people do not get that one right. They miss that one. So we're going to be looking at the characters, uh, the woman, which we've already covered some, the male child, the red dragon, and then we'll go into the other sections and tell you who those are and take a look at those. So the first character is the woman that we looked at last week. We meet the woman, and of course, many people look at this woman because it says a woman was with child. They look at it as Mary, Mother Mary. But we explained last week it can't be Mary. It's impossible to be Mary. This picture here of, of what we're looking at, the symbol, uh, this great sign in heaven, this sign is a, is, a, is, a, is a woman, but it's not a literal woman. It is really the nation of Israel, and we have described that clearly. What does she represent? She represents Israel. And uh, I know I, I, I listened back at my message last week, and I think I said that too many times. But it's so important to catch this, to get this right. And I've read so many uh, things on, com on uh, commentaries on Revelation where they say it's either Mother Mary or they say it's the church. And some even go more bizarre than those. Uh, it is just not true. Woman is, is Israel. She represents Israel. Israel is depicted frequently as a wife of God, a disloyal wife, an unfaithful wife, an adulterous wife. But in the end, God will bring her back to faithfulness. She, throughout the Old Testament, is the wife of God. So Israel is symbolized as a woman. And so we understand that, and we understand that Israel is a major player here in the end times. We're also very much aware of the fact that God has promised that all of Israel will be saved at, through the, at this time of the end of the tribulation. All the Israel that is alive and remaining at that point will be saved. And so it becomes very clear to us that Israel is a major player. Salvation of Israel and her promised kingdom is now very near when we say get to chapter 12. Chapter 11 actually introduces us to the beginning of that kingdom. So we're already at the seventh trumpet. The seventh trumpet is the last trumpet. The events in the seventh trumpet are the seven bowls of judgments covered in verses 15 and 16. We're in the last few weeks of the tribulation period just prior to Armageddon, the return of Christ, and the establishment of the kingdom. That's where we are chronologically speaking. Yet, as far as the Word of God goes, we're only in chapter 12 of Revelation. So we're within a few months of the end, yet we're going back and we're going to digress back to get the bigger picture here of what is going on with this one called the woman and the, the nation of Israel uh, it being represented here. Now, we noticed that we didn't address this much last week. How is the woman dressed? The woman is clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and her head, a crown of 12 stars. And so she is dressed in a, in a, in a way that uh, should alert Bible students, uh, students to Genesis chapter 37. And we go to Genesis 37, and I'm not going to take you there because uh, we don't have a whole lot of time to do that. But it's almost an identical description uh, given to us in Genesis chapter 37, verse 9. Uh, and looking at the life of Joseph, we remember Joseph had the dream, and he presented it to his brothers and to his dad. 
and it sounded like he was boasting and uh, bragging and all. And what's going on here, we all know the story of Joseph, of course. It's exactly what happened. Joseph rose to the place of being a leader in the land of Egypt, and eventually his entire family did actually have to bow to him. The sun represents Jacob, the moon represents Rachel, and the 11 stars bowing down represents his 11 brothers. But when you get back to Revelation chapter 12, it's connected uh, in the background here, we see it's a little bit different. John sees in Revelation 12, has very much the same imagery, but now we see 12 stars. The 12th, back in Genesis 37, of course, means that Joseph himself is included in that. The 12 stars now crown the head of the woman. But still she is clothed with the sun and the moon is under her feet. The woman represents Israel, the people of promise who will be exalted because of the Messiah, describes all these benefits are coming to Israel. Now, the fact that the woman is clothed with the sun, uh, perhaps, and several have mentioned this, that are much smarter in the Word of God than me and, and research, and they say it speaks to the glory and the brilliance and the dignity. It is the unique glory, a unique brilliance, unique dignity of the redeemed Israel that is going to be lifted up and exalted in the end. In other words, this is the Israel that we don't see yet. It will be. The moon under her feet, interesting to think about that could refer to nothing more than the exaltation, but it also could have the concept of a covenant relationship between God and Israel since the moon was so central in the cycle of worship. You remember worshiped in this year's cycle through a series of new moons and, and feasts and festivals and Sabbaths, all associated with the moon. Now, on her head, a crown of 12 stars. The kind of crown is a stephanos, a wreath, a garland, a crown associated with suffering and struggle. The 12 stars that make up the garland obviously refer to the 12 tribes. And so you can see it's a very clear description of Israel. I don't know how anyone could mess up the description here of this woman. So here's Israel in the fulfillment of its messianic hope, which was initially seen in the very dream of Joseph. And that's how the association between this Revelation 12 and Genesis 37 is, is paralleled. Certainly, if you think about it, Israel, the woman, was prefigured in the life of Joseph, and the parallels there are tremendous. But now it says something else. She was with child, and she was crying out, being in labor and in pain to give birth. The imagery here leads us to the conclusion this woman is representing Israel. She's with child, and Israel here is depicted not only as a wife and a woman, but a great pregnant woman, a woman about to give birth. Israel is seen as a mother here. And so she is associating this. Uh, we are associating Israel as the woman, and she is going through this pain, and there's a pain associated with it. Verse 2, she cried out, being in labor and pain to give birth. There's something she's travailing about. There's something she's in pain about, and it's the bringing forth of a child, and it wouldn't be too hard to figure out that who this is or who this was, would it? So with that, uh, what, what did every Jewish mother long for. I think I'm trying to get ahead of myself because I see time just ticking, ticking by. But what did every Jewish mother long for? What did every nation or generation look for as they cried out? Their hope was for the Messiah. Israel agonized and suffered for centuries, waiting and longing for the child that would eventually come and destroy Satan and sin and death and bring the restored of the promised kingdom to Israel. And I think that is exactly what this is being representative of. 
All through their existence, it seems as though they have suffered, not only because of God chastening them for their sin and unbelief, but because uh, of what Satan's efforts to destroy Israel so that the kingdom couldn't come. Ever since the promise in Genesis 3.15, we've, we've seen this, this disruption. We've seen this long war uh, that has been taking place. So here's a woman, Israel, travailing, languishing in pain and agony and suffering and struggle, waiting for the child to be born who will deliver them from sin and Satan and death and bring this kingdom. That is the underlying picture here. That's the, the, the backdrop behind the tribulation period. There's so much more than just these judgments we read about. There's so much more than just the, uh, the massive amounts of people being saved. There's so much more than, uh, as one person put it, really, they summed up the whole book of Revelation by looking at the two witnesses. I thought, wow. That's a little shallow. There is so much more than that. And I think this gives us that picture. And so the child to be born will, the child to be born will be will deliver us from sin and Satan and death and bring the kingdom. And then look at what happens. We meet an, another. Look look at what happens here. Verse 3. We we meet this this third character. Uh, the third character it says another sign appeared in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads, ten horns, and on his heads were seven diadems. Wow, this other sign, this great red dragon, having this as a description. Uh, but, but notice what it says, stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. Well, I think it's pretty obvious as this is, is, is Israel. But who is this dragon ready to devour her child? Here's a, here is the woman's enemy portrayed dramatically in the sky. He sees another sign. He sees a dragon. Now, one, let me emphasize this again. Satan is not a dragon. Satan is a spirit being. The imagery of a red dragon is only a sign pointing to a reality symbolizing it. By the way, Satan... It's called a dragon 13 times in the book of Revelation. Prior to this, in New Testament literature, he is identified as a serpent. A dragon is far more terrifying. The term dragon fits, I think, really into the actual translation of the Hebrew language here. Uh, it says, uh, because the, the word we get is Leviathan. We see that in the book of Psalms. We see that uh, several times in the Old Testament as representing a great sea monster, a massive creature more awesome than a, a biggest of the snakes or a serpent or some large, ferocious, and fearsome animal, a vicious animal. The term dragon is used in the Old Testament, Psalm 91, verse 13, for example, an awesome fearsome, deadly, destructive, fierce creature, and in those ancient times was associated with the sea. You do any Old Testament reading, and you see they associated some kind of a reptile with the oceans and the seas. Uh, some people think that there still could be this in the sea. Ezekiel 29 is an interesting uh, passage of Scripture, and it draws the same imagery of, of Satan as they look at this as a uh, a picture of a, a big red dragon. Uh, but you think, well, you know, this is almost sounds like a fairy tale here. Is this really a big red dragon? Is this really what this, what this is? And why is it being described this way? Uh, that is, is, is very interesting to look at because 
we look at this dragon, and it doesn't notice it doesn't identify who this dragon is anywhere in this particular passage. But we know from the Old Testament that there were works of uh, the dragon mentioned in several different places, like Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, the prophecy against him and all of Egypt. Uh, and that is, is very descriptive there in Ezekiel 29. And I don't want to go there and read all of that, but in depicting Pharaoh as the enemy of God, Pharaoh there is called a great sea monster, a great dragon, some awesome beast that rose up out of the sea in the imagery uh, that you have here to describe Satan. Notice the color is red. Not only is he fierce and cruel and vicious and deadly and frightening, but red speaks of bloodshed. And so the question immediately comes, the woman is Israel, who is the dragon? Well, you know, I, I'm saying this like you don't know, but you know, you know who the dragon is. The great dragon was thrown down. Well, I, actually, let me just read it to you. Look at verse 9 of Revelation 12. And the great dragon was thrown down, here it is, the serpent of old, here it is, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Well, I think that pretty much identifies who it is. We know very clearly in this imagery and who it is identifying. Listen to chapter 20 of Revelation, verse 2. The angel coming down from heaven who had the key to the abyss and a chain in his hand laid hold of the dragon, the serpent who of, of old, who is the devil and Satan. Clear thee then. We are now introduced to Satan. Israel is going to play a main part in the timing or in the time of the tribulation period, but let me give you this. So is Satan. As well as you might know, Satan is further described in some interesting ways in verse 3. Not only as fierce and deadly and dangerous and a bloody killer, Jesus said, a murderer from the beginning. But it says here, he has seven heads, and on his seven heads are seven diadems or crowns or royal crowns. So this thing that he sees in this massive, red, fierce, reptile-like sea monster, this Leviathan, has seven heads. You know, it's already uh, unbelievable frightening to even think about this. But we're going to learn more about that later. I don't want to break from where we are now to get into what this represents. But we'll learn about that next time. Or not next time, but in chapter 17 where it describes that the seven heads are, uh, are seven mountains on which the woman sits. And we're, that's another whole... I don't even want to bring in this this here, but we'll, we'll suffice it to say we're going to cover that. Uh, the seven kings represent seven worldly kingdoms all the way to the end. Seven worldly kingdoms, and Satan is over them. You see, there's given us a picture here, even in this introductory part of verses 1 through 6 in Revelation 12. He is depicted as a seven-headed monster. But listen to this. He rules the world. The seven heads represents the seven kingdoms of the past and will go into those later in chapter 17, but it also is telling us that he has ten horns, and the horns represent strength and power. So this dreaded, fierce, awesome, dangerous-looking, nasty-looking red dragon with seven heads, has seven crowns, he represents power. 
An animal's horns are its weapons. It indicates power and strength. We find them also in Revelation chapter 17. So you can see Revelation 17 is going to be a very important chapter to get to. And I'll remind you that when we get there, the ten horns which you saw, uh, this is, Daniel gives us this. Back in Daniel chapter 7, we read about that, didn't we? Uh, a couple of times, uh, in, in a couple of weeks ago, Daniel describes the final form of the world rule in an imagery of ten kings. Uh, man, this is where it really begins to get exciting. And he describes it as the ten horns in chapter 7, verse 7. Again, verse 20, and down in verse 24 of Daniel. As for the ten horns out of this kingdom, ten kingdoms will arrive. So it's the final form. Here's all I want you to get from that. So it's the final form of the world rule with a ten-king confederacy. We'll learn more about that again in chapter 17. But the point to note here is this. Satan is represented as dominating the world. His seven heads with crowns indicates that he has been ruler of all the kingdoms of the world, past, present, and he will in the future. And the ten horns representing ten kings show that in the final form of world rule, he will dominate it all. Satan has ruled the world, he will rule the world until the blowing of the seventh trumpet and the kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of whom? Well, look at Revelation chapter 11. It says it right there as clear as bells in verse 15 of Revelation chapter 11. Verse 15, the word of God says, And the seventh angel sounded, and there arose loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world, which we know are headed by Satan, has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and forever. Wow. You know, ladies and gentlemen, this is such a beautiful picture. This gives for us an introduction to really the the tribulation period from looking at the activities of Satan. Why is the world so angry? Why is the world so evil? Well, it's being headed up by the the great red dragon. Satan then, all through the centuries has been operating through the world systems, been making very evil efforts in inflicting, inflicting pain and suffering and death on, who's, on the woman, Israel, wanting to destroy her. That's been his effort. So when we say, really, in, in, the, in the title of the, the passage, the message today is the great red dragon exposed. This is what's being exposed. This has been his effort since day one. You see, Satan understands the Bible. He knows better. He knows the Bible better than we do. Satan then has been all through the centuries operating through the world system, inflicting evil, uh, suffering, death on Israel. That's been his effort. That's been his his purpose. That's been. But it's not just Israel. It's God. He's going after God. He has inflicted incredible, incessant injuries and wounds and pains on the Jews up until the time of Christ. And even after that, he's continued with unceasing uh, fights and, and wars against them, against him. In fact, in Daniel 8.24, it talks about the final form of Satan's rule. And here's the way it describes it. Destroying to an extraordinary degree, and he will destroy mighty men and holy people. 
You see, he's been always after God's people. First of all, Israel, certainly in the end, the church as well. It's always been that way. In fact, it's just an amazing thing to see that behind the scenes, why he's working so furiously. In fact, let me just jump ahead in Revelation 12, if I I may be permitted to do that. Look at Revelation chapter 12. Verse 12. I I just got to read this to you. Listen to this passage, if you will. You don't even have to try to find it. Just listen to it. Revelation 12, 12. For this reason, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell on them. Woe to the earth and to the sea, because the devil has come down to you, talking about being cast down, having great wrath. That Satan has great wrath, knowing that he only has a short time. Is that amazing? That is absolutely crazy. In fact, really, you could title that section, and I may do it when I get there, Satan is having a nervous breakdown. I mean, he knows his time is coming to an end. We know the time is close for the rapture, but he's looking at time as being close to his own demise. So, I'm going, to, I'm going to stop right there because it is a good place to stop. Probably bad as far as some people want me to go further. But I just can't go any further than this because I want to make sure that I do justice to what I've got. But look, folks, let me tell you, Revelation just all fits. Once you begin to understand certain pieces, it all begins to make sense to us. It's, it's not so confusing. Uh, after all, it is a revelation that God has given to us. Revealing His Son, Jesus Christ. In fact, aren't we told in Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, uh, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things that are written in it, for the time is near. Read it. Study it. I promise you, you will enjoy it. You'll be blessed by it. For now, this is William Rogers, and we've been studying the book of Revelation chapter 12, and we will continue next time. Thank you so much for joining us.